Join us for an exclusive interview with Chris Casamasa, a martial arts expert with over 40 years of experience. He has an outstanding tournament record and is featured in movies and TV shows such as the original Karate Kid, Shoot Fighter, Blade, and Mortal Kombat, where he played Scorpion. In this video, Chris shares his ultimate guide for achieving physical and mental fitness through martial arts and exercise, which can help develop focus and confidence and improve intellectual performance. Learn from one of the most respected names in martial arts and Hollywood. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. I am so excited to introduce our guest today. Chris Casamasa, considered by many to be a martial arts prodigy, began his journey under his father's guidance at the age of four. By 10, he earned his first degree black belt and has since pursued relentless knowledge in the field. Currently holding a ninth degree black belt, Chris serves as a CEO of 15 Red Dragon Karate Studios in Southern California. He oversees operations and trains and certifies instructors, managers, and owners while continuing to grow and expand the brand. In addition to his professional accomplishments, he is a three-time best-selling author with books on bully prevention. He has also graced the screen in numerous films and television shows, including iconic roles such as Scorpion in the billion-dollar Mortal Kombat franchise, as well as appearances in Batman and Robin, Blade, and Walker, Texas Ranger. Chris has an impressive track record as a competitor of the North American sport Karate Tour, where he achieved a four-time number one national forms champion, two-time national weapons champion, and a top five rating as a middleweight fighter. Please help me welcome Chris Casamasa. Hey, Chris. Hello, hello. Hi, April. Hey, it's such a pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. It's an honor. Well, thank you so much. You are very kind. Yeah. And if I blush up a little bit, it's just because you're a childhood hero my brother and I had so much fun fighting after watching Mortal Kombat and turning the couch into a fortress. So thank you for that so much. We really yes. enjoyed having well, listen, you. As a yeah. Thank, thank you for being a fan. I appreciate it. Listen, we, we did that film quite a number of years ago, and I still get people talking about it today. So uh, we did our job. So thank Absolutely. you. Yeah. Thank you. Now, you have really been exposed with martial arts from the get-go. 
with dad being this really iconic person and leading the way. I, I think he is very well known to many in that arena. Can you talk a little bit about what was that like? What was that like in childhood for you with a father like that? Well, honestly, it was very exciting. I literally had a front row seat to the evolution that he created in the martial arts. Um, you know, he started in teaching in 1965. And in the, in the early 1960s, martial arts in America was in its infancy stage. There really wasn't, there sure weren't a lot of professional martial arts studios. And there weren't a lot of martial artists in America at that time. But one of the things that happened or that was kind of culturally appropriated, I should say, would be you weren't necessarily allowed to mix styles of martial arts. Now, there was no rule or law that said you couldn't. But back in the day, and if you were a Japanese style martial artist, you only did Japanese style martial arts. If you were a Chinese style martial artist, same thing. Korean, same thing. You didn't, uh, as they say in Ghostbusters, kind of cross the streams. Well, my dad was was a very creative and kind of forward-thinking person, and he had black belts in multiple styles of martial arts. And although he never really loved any one of them more than the other, he loved them all. So in the early 1960s, he did something that really was unheard of, and he created America's first true mixed martial arts style and pioneered what now today is so common, American karate or American martial arts. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. And listen, the stories and, and things that my dad went through, there was stuff just like you see in the movies. And th that was, you know, back in the day, if you were doing something at a martial arts school that another martial artist didn't like, they had the right to come challenge you to a fight. And if you lost that fight, you had to close your studio and like leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was crazy. Oh. But so here's what I tell people. Look, that was in 1965. We're still here. So my dad went through some fights and some trials and tribulations that like, I can't do justice to the stories. And he was also kind of crafty about it too, because you know, you, it would be the talk of the town that so-and-so was going to come challenge you and things like that. Yeah. So my dad would, would have his black belt students. He would know the challenge was coming and he'd make them go in the back and put on white belts. And the guy would go come to challenge him. And my dad would be like, Hey, I want to fight you, but you have to prove yourself fight my white belts. If you beat them, then I'll fight you. Well, my dad's black belts were, they were badasses, right? So the humiliation that people would go through to just try and fight them because they'd get wiped out by my dad's black belt. So he was, he was pretty crafty about some of those, the challenges that he had to go through. I was going to say some of it, so much of it is not just the physical game of it, right? That it, it, it's the mental and the wittiness. And like you said, the craftiness. So you definitely had all of that. And I think you absolutely have to, if you're going to get to the extent and really create an entire new development of, of something different. Uh, what yeah. do they call your dad? The, the Michelangelo? Yes. The Michelangelo of martial arts. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And how he would put everything together. And as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he had seen some, some war zones. Is that correct? Yeah. He was a military police officer and was stationed in Japan. Okay. Uh, where he, sir, he did his, you know, boot camp in, I think Camp Pendleton or uh, Camp Lejeune and uh, stationed there and then went to Japan as a military police officer. And that's where he first fell in love with the martial arts. Yeah. Um, again, one of the, my dad accomplished so many cool things in his life, but my dad actually fell in love with a style of martial arts that's home to Japan. And that is judo. Uh, judo was the first style that he achieved his black belt and he loved it so much that he actually stayed in Japan until he achieved the rank of black belt. Now that doesn't sound so uncommon except for a couple of things. Number one, the, America had just blown up Japan a few years before my dad got there. So mm. they weren't really keen on having Americans in their country, let alone learning their country's art. So they did everything in their power to make it super hard for him to get him to quit. But my dad has got a bunch of things going for him. He's stubborn. Uh, he's from the East Coast and he's a Taurus. So he was like, he sets his mind to something. He's not giving up on it. And he did it. And he achieved his black belt at, at the Kodokan, which is the original training hall where judo was founded by uh, Dr. Jigoro Kano. And when he made black belt in Japan, he was one of, I think, the first five or 10 Americans to ever do that. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So I love that he's a fellow Taurus, such as myself. All that right. sounds pretty awesome. And yeah, absolutely. You going through 
I, I think that some of the best people who are doing the greatest things in the world have gone through the most trialing situations. You know, they, they seem to always have it even harder, but the, the, the trick of it is, is they don't stop and they keep moving forward. Agreed a hundred percent. It's uh, it's disrupting the status quo. Yeah. And it's a challenge. And sometimes I think you can just get really addicted to that. I, I, I agree. And you know, my dad, I don't know that he ever really set out to do what he did. He just loved the martial arts so much. And then he had such a passion for it. He just kind of dove all in and, and decided I'm going to do my own thing. And, uh, and one of my dad's favorite sayings uh, came from someone, you know, who wanted to challenge him or they were trying to tell him, you know, you can't do these mixed martial arts styles. You can only, you have to, you have to pick one, like you can't do this. And I remember sitting there, I think I was maybe six or seven years old at the time, but this saying stuck with me my whole life. And that was, he looked at that person and said, you can't tell me what to do. This is America and I'm an American. And the last four letters of the word American are I can, so I can do whatever I want. Oh, that is cool. I, I'm sure I've heard that, but when you're saying that like that, I, it, it just really sinks in. Yeah. I can, I love that. I can. I think that, so I, I have this firm belief that so many of our youth should kind of travel to another country, a third world country to see the opposition of what we have here and what we don't have here and what others don't get to experience. There's a lot of freedom and a lot of creation that we can have here in the United States. Agree. Again, the, traveling to other countries is financially a challenge with some people. That, listen, but I understand what you're saying and you're absolutely right. I am fortunate enough where I get to travel the world and teach and speak and, and act and do all these things all over the place. And I can tell you, I'm always happy to come back to America. I love the other countries and they're great to visit, but there's nothing that I've seen so far that matches the coolness that we, that we have in America. And, you know, you know, you say about kids being able to travel to third world countries, like kids should volunteer at their local church or a mission to help people that are less fortunate than them because that gives them perspective on, wow, maybe I, Maybe mom and dad aren't as big of jerks as I thought. I've got a roof over my head, food in my belly, clothes on my yeah. back. These people don't even have a place to take a shower, right? So that volunteer type of service uh, plays out well. And I'm going to do you one better than that because of the industry that I'm in with the martial arts. It's my opinion that if every person on the planet studied martial arts for just mm -hmm. one year, that our planet would be a much better place because of not that it's going to teach everybody to be a superhero, a super fighter, but the respect, the focus, the dedication, the commitment, the core values of what martial arts teaches people, if that was mandatory for everyone, like our, our, our world would be a lot better place, I think. Yeah. My opinion of it. No, you're 100% you're right. I have very limited. I, I was able to get um, some of that through my career in law enforcement. And I think just going into that field alone really changed my perspective on a lot of things and having to show up in a certain way um, and gain that sense of pride in the profession. So I couldn't agree with you more. I did read that in your book, Bullyproof Fitness. So, uh, and there are so many things that I, I haven't read the entire thing, but I've skipped <gasps> through it. And <gasps> I know, cool, I will, I will get to it. And there's so many things that I agree with you. And I was excited because I'm like, oh, I do this. Oh, I know that. And uh, so I appreciate you are doing so much on the forefront in the United States to really help give that to society and really make a change. And I believe that the change is always starting with you. And so it's individual. It's not that you can necessarily just go out there and change the world, but it has to begin with you first. And so speaking of that, let's go back a little bit. Was there, you, you know, martial arts, you have followed through, you've followed through your father's footsteps. Was there a certain moment when you were younger where it, you just knew that that was what you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I know this is going to sound crazy. When I was four years old, I knew that the martial arts was something that I wanted to do. But the the reason I wanted to do it 
wasn't the reason that I'm doing it today. When my dad first got started in the martial arts business, he was a martial artist, but didn't really understand business. He didn't get into it to make it a business. He loved the martial arts, but running a business, whether it's a martial arts business or a suntan salon or a restaurant, there's a business side that you have to know. And if you don't have that acumen of how to run a business, you know, crazy things like paying the rent for your building or the electric or having payroll, then you start to get very stressed out and things can go sideways very quick. And so my dad was really figuring a lot of this out on the fly. And I'm telling you all that because when I was four years old, I was like, I was one of those kids that's like, where's my dad? Where's my dad? My mom would say, he's at the studio. He's at the studio. He's at the studio. So quickly I realized if I want to see daddy, I got to go to karate. Mm -hmm. So I went so I could spend more time with my dad. Now the, the win was not only did I get to spend more time with him, I got a front row seat at all the stuff he was creating and evolving. And I fell in love with it. Right. And the deal he made to me was very simple, which again, you know, we talk about dedication and focus and, you know, when I was four years old, he goes, you can start, but you can't stop until you make it to black belt. I don't care how long it takes you, but you cannot give up. And if you tell me you want to quit, I'm not going to let you quit. Now I'm four and all I want to do is spend time with my dad. So of course I'm just like, okay, dad. Okay. Um, but that lesson, you know, and there was times during my first six years in the martial arts, I wanted to quit. Right. And I used every excuse in the book. I'm too tired. I'm too sore. I'm bored. I don't like it anymore. But he was like, remember what I said? Remember what I said? You're going to keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, and then, you know, by the time I made black belt and I realized, well, listen, I've learned this focus, commitment, dedication. I was hooked. And those three things have helped me throughout my entire life. You know, yeah. I could have never accomplished all the things I've accomplished if it wasn't for that lesson right there. Yeah. And so early on, that's just incredible. I mean, so few of us are not blessed with those opportunities and that structure and that guidance, that loving guidance. And so to me, I, I, and this is just an assumption, but I feel that because you had that experience at such a young age in childhood, you have really wanted to pursue what you're doing now. You have been working with children for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. I've, you know, taught my, I started teaching full time when I was 15 years old. So I've been doing this, yeah, for 122 years now, give or take. Um, but yeah, you know, I want to, I want to give back and, and share the knowledge and skill that I have with others and, and try to help and empower them. Uh, in the best way possible. And, and it's through martial arts. I've just seen it tens of thousands of times. I've seen the people that we've changed. And, you know, we talk about 122 years. I've been doing this so long now that I am now training children of children of children. I'm on my third generation of kids yeah. that are, are guys or women that are bringing me their kids. Be like, you know, when I was eight yeah. years old, you taught me martial arts. <laughs> and then, and now I got married and here's my kid. I want you to train him. And then that kid grows up and gets married, has another kid, you know, you taught my mom and, and you taught me and I want you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I old now? This just feels crazy. <laughs> but it's that impact that you have, like it's generational impact of, of changing people's lives. So you've got a ton of stories and I'm so excited to, to ask you some of these questions and, and may be hard to, to pick one because I'm sure you have a million of them, but what keeps you going is that impact, right? Is that you, mm -hmm. you're literally changing lives. You see the transformation. So Chris, I would love for you to pick, you know, one or two examples of some of the most profound uh, times and transformations that you've seen with your students. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested. 
through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Well, here's I can I can tell you one, and I'm going to use a, a female frame of reference on this, and it, it, and more than one. I've had girls that I taught when they were girls grow up to become women, who unfortunately have people have tried to either attack or sexually assault them, and they've been able to protect themselves to get out of the situation or to fight back as needed. And when I hear those stories, it's it's tragic on one end that it's still happening. But it's heartwarming on the other to know that I had the impact and their parents cared enough about their child to send them to me to potentially prevent that girl from being sexually assaulted or raped or killed because of the training that they got from us. And and for you and for anyone that hears my voice, and I say, I have a daughter, by the way, my daughter's 22 now. And when she was four years old, she started training in martial arts. She didn't have a choice. Daddy was home because I've got the business systems all dialed in, but she didn't have a choice. And here's why. According to the FBI, one out of every three women in America is either attacked or sexually assaulted in their life. One out of three. That's a horrible stat. It's a stat. When I hear it, it's like, I hate being a guy sometimes. It's that bad of a stat, but at least I'm one of the good guys that's out there trying to help women win their fight against these scumbag guys that are out there. One in three. Do you know what the odds are for a guy being attacked in his life are? Oh, no, it's not even close. It's one in a hundred, right? So for you, it's one out of three. If I'm in a room with five or 10 women, I guarantee if I say, Hey, raise your hand. If something, some guys ever tried something you didn't want to happen. Most of them raise their hand. Yeah. It breaks my heart and I hate it. And that's why if you have a daughter, you have a responsibility to get that daughter into the, if it's not in the martial arts, something that's going to build their confidence, even something like uh, gymnastics or believe it or not modeling. Because when the FBI interviews these people, they ask them, why did you attack this person, right? Some of it's familiarity, but a lot of time it's, yeah. they were unaware, they looked unconfident, they didn't know I was even there, yeah. right? So learning to carry yourself with good posture, making eye contact, and those little things can make the difference between a, a woman being attacked or not attacked, assaulted or not assaulted. Of course, I want them to do martial arts, but get them involved in something that's going to build their confidence and self-esteem. Martial arts, of course, because confidence and self-esteem are only one part. That doesn't help you if a guy grabs you by the throat. That right. doesn't help you if a guy puts his arms around you, right? And that's why learning an art form like that, a self-defense art form, is critical for anybody that's like, if you're married, get your wife involved, you get a girlfriend, daughter, whatever. And here, and here's the funniest part, which is not even funny. It's great because I've been doing this my whole life. My female students are always better than their male counterparts. Always hundred percent. As a matter of fact, I have more female black belts training with me right now than I have male black belts. They have more commitment, more focus, more dedication. Are they physically mm-hmm. as strong? No, mm-hmm. but can they protect themselves from a guy? Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. I'm glad that you bring that up. And I'm glad that you bring up the aspects of the awareness and the confidence. I mean, little things such as posture and having that awareness, the big picture of your surroundings, those are huge. And yeah, absolutely. What does a predator look for? It's those things in a victim. So I really like that you bring that up. Thanks. Here's where it gets worse. Because in today's society, where's everyone's face? It's in their phone. It's yeah. stuck in their phone. And they're looking down and they're texting or tweeting or on TikTok or whatever it is. This thing right here is a great tool, but it's also a great distraction. When you're walking down the street and you're, you're not paying attention, that's the easiest time for someone to come up and, and grab you. How many times have you been on your phone and you bumped into something or bumped into someone? But what if that someone was an attacker? Like it's mm-hmm. over for you. And I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just telling them about the reality because I deal with and hear about these situations all the time. I, I think that you should try to scare people because it is a, it's a fact and it is a reality. You know, it, absolutely. I know that when I was in law enforcement, you have to really show and talk about those nasty details sometimes in order to really get it through to people sure. for them to have an understanding of, yeah, this is, this is reality. But, but the great thing is you and I both know is with training and, and preparedness, 
you build the confidence and then you can go through life, not scared, but prepared. You got it. Yeah. So cool. Well, we're going to go into our first commercial, which just so happens to be highlighting, uh, you, sir, and wow. very excited to show it off. So we're going to take a minute, stay tuned, and everyone enjoy. Get over Now that's somebody who's been training since he was four years old. Yeah, that guy's okay. I don't know. I'm a little iffy on that dude. <laughs> uh, I I just love it. It's so cool. Uh, definitely, it just it continues to to bring the excitement. I think one of the incredible things about movies and and what we get to feel, all of the feelings that you you experience when you go to the movies is you, you want to put action behind your life. You know, you just get pumped up to want to do more and be more and be better. And so that's one thing I really love. And before we jump into however you got into that world and that aspect, I'd really love to know when we're back on the topic of all of the cool things that you've seen and the transformations that you've made. I'm really curious about martial arts and the, the power of energy ex exchange. And the simplest way I could maybe term this is when we start talking about the force, let's say Star Wars, right? Where mm -hmm. you're able to um, take this energy within you and being able to apply it. So it's the stuff that we can't see, but it's absolutely there. I'm sure that you've experienced it with all of the training, the lifelong training you've had. Do you have any, uh, any experiences that you can share about that? Not necessarily. All I can say is whatever you call it, like in the martial arts, it's, it's like chi, which is this energy, you know, mm -hmm. in, in science, they call it the, the God particle, you know, it, whatever you call it, all I'm saying is trust it. There's something inside all of us mm. that is giving you guidance and direction and you got to trust it. For now for women, it gets better. And I, I don't mean to keep going back on this, but here's, here's the, the cool fact about women compared to men, you win in every category. Brains, intuition, empathy, everything, except for one category, which is physical strength, right? Physically, men are going to be stronger than women. Although some of the men I meet today, not so strong. Um, but the reason I'm saying that is you have this thing that they've dubbed women's intuition. Trust it because it's right. And what happens for women is they talk themselves out of it. My boyfriend's cheating on me. My husband's doing this. You're, and then you talk yourself out of it. You get that vibe in you. And then you talk yourself out of it. Or worse, you let the guy convince you, oh, no, no, no. You trust that force. I don't feel good about this guy that I've met. I get a weird vibe. Don't be around that guy. Trust that intuition that's inside of you. It's, the force is much stronger in women than it is in men. Because men's ego gets in the way. Or women, not so much. Hmm. That's a really great way to say that. Thank you. The intuition aspect. Yeah. Something that's inside all of us. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. 
Um, I wanted to gear people a little bit towards your website, www.chriscasamasa.com. And for a lot of what we've been talking about, uh, www.bullyprooflife.com and some of his books, you got to grab them. What I love, Chris, about your book is it not only has stories, but you got to have stories, but it has such practical tips and tricks applicable things that you can do right now. I love that about it. Um, I love that. I feel like I'm right on some things <laughs> because you say so. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I just like, you have a lot of great stories within it too. I think that you mentioned something about, uh, you know, you talk about women a lot and your father being in police and, uh, his experience with women and, mm -hmm needing that self-defense aspect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He used to tell me the worst calls that he would go on were the domestic dispute calls. Like they would like fight each other to not go to those calls because those ones were always the, the women were like so crazy on all those. Like they would, they, they just did not want to go to domestic dispute ones. Those were the hardest ones for them to, to handle and, and deal with. But because the women were so tough, which is what the kind of the whole point of what I'm saying. But yeah, the two first two books I wrote here, Bullyproof Life and Bullyproof Fitness, were geared for parents that have kids that that may be getting bullied or picked on or or lack some confidence and self-esteem. The next one I have that should be coming out later on this year is going to be a kids' book, which is designed for them. So it'll have the lessons in Bullyproof Life, but it'll be more animated and cartoon version to help kids that are younger, let's say nine and under know and understand what to look for and, and, and what to say or do if they feel like they're getting bullied or picked on. Chris, how did you become passionate about bullying? That's a great question. And the, the truth is because I saw the impact that we were able to do within our studios, right? But, you know, at, at any given martial arts studio, we're teaching 200, 300 people at a time. But there are millions of people in the United States. And, and I knew what we had was working and helping people. So I wanted to come up with a way to do more, to give back more, to help more people. And I figured, well, the first best way to do it is to write a book, right? Because books can be bought anywhere. And, and then I started traveling and I travel all over the United States and all over the world teaching the bully prevention seminar. My goal is to have a million kids go through our bullyproof program by 2025, which I was on track for until COVID. And that gave me like a two and a half year shutdown where I couldn't do it. So we created kind of a bullyproof online university where they could do it. But the real impact is where I go out. Like I go to public schools, I go to churches, you know, I'll teach four or five, 600 kids at a time through these, these programs and, and doing it to get them bullyproof certified. And uh, right now, you know, I said, like I said, last three years, we've kind of got shut down a lot, but we've, we've taught just over 70,000 kids our wow. bullyproof program right now. Yeah. That's so great. So I believe it'll happen. That's an incredible aspiration. I love that. And you're right that a greater impact is usually when you're face to face, right? The, but there's also that gift of where we're at right now. We have access to online. We have this exchange of information that we've never had in our history. And so that's a really incredible opportunity for, you know, to get great things out in the world, such as here on this platform. I wanted to bring in a couple of comments. CJ Hove says that's that is good advice to trust in your chi. And I agree. It is a gut instinct and it will lead you. So I just wanted to bring those in. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about, I'm so curious. And I'm sure many people, how did you get into the, the acting scene? Was that something that you desired? Did it just come to you? Was it presented? What happened? Uh, a little of all of the above of what you just said. So, you know, when I was a kid, Bruce Lee was the big thing on screen in movies, yeah. right? So I always like, wow, man, that's so cool. But I always looked at that and thought, I think I could do that. I'd, I would like to do that. I'd like to do martial arts in a movie or on TV. That would be so cool. Um, so it was kind of always a back end, like goal of something that would be cool to do. But I never really set the, the goal and the path to go do it. And then I was out on the professional tour competing. Uh, just we're going all over the country on the like martial arts is like golf, right? There's a tour where they go tournament to tournament event yeah. event all around the all around the U.S. That's, um, that's where my husband got to meet you. Yes. And uh, so, I, you know, like you said in the intro, I was 
for four years in a row, I was the number one competitor in the country. And then I was in Atlanta at a tournament called the Battle of Atlanta, where I won the championship that night. And when I came off stage, a couple of people that were in the audience came up to me and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about putting together a, a TV show about martial arts. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, uh, yes, I would. That would be actually very cool. And But p- people had said that to us before, and myself and a couple of the guys that were winning at the time, uh, they asked, you know, three or four of us. And, and we'd heard that, hey, we want you to be in this movie, we want you to be in this TV show, and nothing really panned out. And th- so we said, yes, I exchanged phone numbers and then, of course, heard nothing. And three months later, my phone rings and said, and they go, uh, hey, remember we talked? Uh, so we're going to fly you down to Universal Studios in Orlando, and we're going to shoot a pilot for this TV show called WMAC Masters. And we want to make sure you still want to do it. And I'm like, uh, yes. So we did it. We went down there and then we had the production meeting, which was the, the greatest thing ever. Because they go, Each character needs a name because they were kind of like it was WWE meets martial arts was the kind of the theme of the show. It's Power Rangers meets WWE meets martial arts. <laughs> and so they go, so each character needs a name. Um, what do you want your name to be? And as a joke, hey, you got to joke, choose. You got to choose your name. So as a joke, never thinking they'd agree, I go, well, Red Dragon which is the name of our company. So I'm like, I'm going to name my character Red Dragon. And they look and they go, that's actually a really cool name. And I go, <laughs> okay. So I got my character name got to be the name of our studios, which was, I mean, it was great publicity for us. But then, you know, that show went on, uh, it was on Fox. I think we're on for two or three years and uh, it was a great experience. So from that, that thing, I got to do other things. And you, you referenced Karate Kid, you know, because I was on the, the tournament circuit. Well, they actually shot the Karate Kid movie at a part of They shot part of it at a real karate tournament. So I was in the background. They were doing a real tournament in the background because they wanted the movie to look authentic. Uh, and I was one of the background fighters, which is why when people go, oh, you're in the Karate Kid. I go, yeah, don't blink or you will miss me uh, right. in, the, in the tournament scene. So that's where I kind of got my feet wet because that was before this, the TV show thing. Um, and Mortal Kombat and all that. So I kind of got into it. I don't want to say by accident. I was in the right place at the right time. I prepared myself for the opportunity and it was presented and I took advantage of that opportunity. I love that. You prepared yourself for the opportunity and then when it presented, you were ready. That's just like with anything, right? It's just like if we're... Just the training is, is so big. And uh, I remember one of the biggest lessons that I had when I was in law enforcement is you don't rise to the level of your courage, you fall to the level of your training. And so when you're, when Ooh, you're in that I like team, that one. Yeah, then you, I mean, that's how it is because you don't really know how you're going to show up when, yep. when, you, when shit hits the fan, right? Mm-hmm. You have no idea how you're going to respond. You think that you're going to respond a certain way, but truly it's within that training. And so, and I know that's a little off track, but you prepared yourself and when, and you, you were ready for the opportunity. And when it came, you were, that was it. And a lot of that happens when you go into acting, right? You happen to be just that person in the background of, of a really cool movie and, Oh, watch out. You're going to see me walk by, or you see the back of my head, but that's me. Uh, we have a son in LA who is an aspiring actor. And so he's got fit in many things such as that. And, um, I really like that you, you know, well, I want to know when you went into acting, did it help? I would think a great deal, all of your experience with martial arts to be able to prepare you for what acting is like when you have the discipline on being led into things, you know, being coached. And this is how I want you to say things. This is how I want you to move. What was that like for you? So it's another great question. And listen, I I got some very great advice early in my acting career that helped me land a whole bunch of other things because, you know, I wanted to be Bruce Lee and and do the movies. I was reliant upon my martial arts skill, which is cool when you're doing action. But of course, in a movie, you have to talk, there's Mm -hmm. dialogue, things like that. So uh, one of the guys I met on set said, listen, I know you want to do this, but I'm going to give you some advice. He said, here's how you're going to understand it. In the movies, they can take a great actor and make him look like a martial artist, but they can't take a great martial artist and make him look like an actor. Mm. So take acting lessons. And when I did and started doing that, listen, acting is an art form. And it, there are techniques and things to master and learn. It's like being a white belt all over again. 
but I went, I did it right. I did through the classes and got my private coach and dialects and all those other things. So that when other opportunities were presented, I was able to take them. I wasn't relying upon one skill. I now was a multifaceted talent that is more attractive to productions when they don't have to hire a, uh, a stunt double for you, or when you don't have to just be the stunt double, you can actually act as well. You're, you're kind of more of a, a package to do that. So that advice actually served me very well, very early in my career. Yeah, you definitely are more desirable when you have all of those different traits that you can offer. You already have the skills that they're looking for. I'm sure that, um, you know, definitely takes time to build on a resume. How are you able to integrate your uh, martial arts career? I mean, it sounds like you were building, you know, the business and also go into uh, training and coaching and schooling yourselves for acting. It's a very delicate juggling act, right? Because there are yeah. only so many hours in the day. But again, from martial arts, I always learned I can versus I can't, mm. right? In every obstacle, there's an opportunity. So I was always taught to look for the opportunity in the obstacle and not be stopped or blocked by the obstacle that's in the way. It's there for a reason. Because if it was easy, it wouldn't be worthwhile to get. So you mm. have to go through, go around, go over the obstacle to achieve the thing that you want. And so again, I learned that in the martial arts. So when it came to those other parts of my life, building the business of Red Dragon Karate, expanding our company to, you know, in, in just a two months, we're going to have our 16th location, um, being able to travel the world and do Bullyproof to still do movies and TV shows today. It's like, it's a delicate balance of doing it. And uh, listen, I've got a great team around me. I, I'm not doing this by myself. You know, our, our group of owners, my, uh, my business partner, I've got a great team. We have a system within a system that allows me the freedom and flexibility to continue to pursue those goals. Yeah. Yeah. But here's, here's, here's the flip side of that. Here's the flip side of that, April. This is the thing that, that, that people don't understand, right? I'm able to sit here and say that. And yeah, listen, I, I, I've kind of am winning and, and I'm on the other side of it. But that's the part. Everybody wants the results, but few people are willing to do the process. I spent decades of my life grinding, learning, sweating, bleeding, crying so that I could be an overnight success, but no one sees that part of it. They don't see the hard work that goes in prior to it. They see the results. And then when, you, when I hear things like, you're so lucky, you're so lucky you're in the movies, you're so lucky you've got, it's like luck had nothing to do with any of it. Right. It was hard work. It was hustle. It was grind. And like I said earlier, then the opportunity was there and I just happened to be prepared for it. So I'm glad that, and, and yeah, I want to highlight that again for the audience that if it wasn't hard, it, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. And so within that, the challenges, the blood, sweat, and tears, what was, what was one of your most challenging times where you felt like it could have broken you where you were like, I don't I have a perfect know. story for you. I have a perfect story for you. I was 18 years old and I was a third degree black belt and I had two problems. I was 18 years old and I was a third degree black belt. <laughs> now anybody that's, got, anybody that's got a teenager knows exactly what I'm talking about, but here's the problem. My dad was my instructor, but at 18 and my dad was a seventh or eighth degree black belt at the time. At 18, at third degree black belt, I thought I knew better than my dad. Mm. I knew more than him. I, my dad knew nothing and I knew everything. I understood the world at 18, right? Looking back on it, like I can't realize how much shit I didn't know, what an idiot I was. But that's the cool thing about, and if, if you're older and your parents, the older I got, the smarter my parents became yeah. because wisdom breeds intelligence. And time. Can, you, can I have you say that. that one more time? I'm going to have all three of my daughters watch this. Can you say <laughs> it one more time, please? Which, which part? The older you get, the smarter your parents become? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So, so that was happening, right? And I wasn't listening to my dad. And I was literally being obstinate in class in front of all the other students, right? Idiot move. So my dad, in his wisdom, decided he was going to kick me out of Red Dragon Karate. And he did, Ooh. he goes, this is what he did. So behind my back, I didn't know this. There was a local guy in LA that he knew from the tournament circuit, amazing fighter, great coach. This guy by the name of Steve Fisher. 
And he would see, my dad would see Steve Fisher at local tournaments. He would tell him, you know, Hey, you know, my kid's doing this, blah, 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 blah. So Steve Fisher goes, you know what? I'll take him. I'll train him. So my dad kicked me out of the studio and said, if you want to come back to Red Dragon, you have to go train with Steve Fisher for a year. Now we were in wow. this San Gabriel Valley, which it doesn't really mean anything. It's the Pasadena area of California where the Rose Bowl's at. Um, but Steve Fisher's studio was in the ghetto of LA. It was mm. in the hood. So I had to drive an hour twice a week to go down there and train. And of course I went down there with ego and I'm a third degree black belt and I'm cool. In April, I got my ass kicked by his like mid-level color belts and it was humbling. And I was like, this sucks. And then after about three, six months of that, I realized, okay, this is a learning opportunity for you. And, you know, I ended up training with Steve Fisher for, for decades and I ended up becoming a third degree black belt in his style of martial arts. Of course, after a year, I was able to come back to Red Dragon and Thank God. I was so thankful to be welcomed back into the studio after my dad booted me out of, out of his own studio. Right. But though, again, those lessons hard learned provided more character, more wisdom, and definitely more skill. And here's the cool thing. Steve Fisher never taught me anything that my dad wasn't already teaching me. But sometimes when you hear something from someone else who's not your dad, it has yeah. a bigger impact. You know, I would come back and go, Hey, Mr. Fisher told me this. Hey, Mr. Fisher told me that. My dad would go, yeah, I've been telling you that for 10 years. <laughs> it's so, so true. It, oh, yeah. It's, I, don't, I don't know if that will ever go away in the history of mankind because <laughs> yeah, my daughters not. do the same thing. They're like, oh, my boyfriend told me this and I can't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, really? I've been telling yeah. you that your whole life or I told you that a year ago and I gave you the website link. So like, how right. did you not... But yeah, yeah. and that's, uh, that's the great thing about martial arts. We're, we're a parent's best friend in the martial arts because listen, yeah. in, in the studio, we're not teaching your kids anything different about respect, focus, or commitment that you're not teaching them at home. But when it comes from sensei, all of a sudden it's got this great impact. So what I teach parents to do when I go, listen, if your kid, your kid doesn't act up for me, but if they're acting up for you at home, I'm going to give you a sentence that's going to change your life. And the sentence is this, do you want me to tell sensei? That's all a parent's got to say. And then the kid's like, no, don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him. So we're like a yeah. parent's best friend when it comes to that about helping their child develop through the years. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, wonderful because definitely, you know, they, they want to be looked at as good and do well. And yes, I was on my best behavior, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you have any other stories that, that you want to share about your experience with leading others, with coaching others? I mean, April, I can talk your ear off on stories. I just don't want to bore your audience. So, Oh, it's not boring. This is what we're here for. I mean, your experience is the reason you're here is because not, not everybody gets to have that. And I think it's within those stories that we really want to be better, do better, or inspired. Sure. No, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'll tell you what, I'll make you deal. You give me a question, I'll give you an answer. Okay, absolutely. So I want to know a little bit more about and I, I would love to know another story about one of your students that you really made a big difference in. What is one of the students that is now doing something great in the world, something big and changing that they have created in light of your inspiration to them? Well, we've got a few of them, but I'll give you my most famous student. Um, yes. So when I was, this was early 90s, yeah, early 1990s. Uh, I had a studio and I had a young kid working for me, super talented kid, good martial artist with a black belt with me. He was managing the location that we were running together. And my agent called me and said, hey, they're casting for a new TV show and it's going to be have martial arts in it. So we're looking for um, kids that are really talented in martial arts that can play between they, they've got to be at least 18, but they have to look like they're in high school. And I said, well, I could do it. And he goes, you don't look like you're in high school anymore. And I was like, damn, all right. Uh, so I told uh, this, the kid that was working with me, I go, hey, man, there's audition for a cool TV show coming up. I'm not really sure what it's all about, 
but I want, I'll give you an opportunity because, you know, I was doing stuff already, other, other movies. And I go, go, go try out for it and see what happens. So he goes, okay, sensei, I'm going to do it. So he came back the next day and he goes, uh, I think I got it. And I go, okay, that's cool. He goes, yeah. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be gone for like three months, four months. And I go, well, you got to be at work tomorrow. And he goes, no, I like, I, I'm going to get this cool TV show. And that TV show was called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And my student's name was Jason David Frank, who is the was the most popular Power Ranger. And he was the Green Ranger and the Red Ranger and the White Ranger. And he's been in almost every variation of the Power Ranger since then. But I got him to start by sending him to the audition for the, the Power Rangers thing. And I mean, he changed his life and he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans, you know, all over the world. Unfortunately, he passed away a little earlier this this was it this year or the end of last year. But yeah. Oh, it's probably my, my most famous guy. Yeah. You have been an, an inspiration and a joy to be on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much for sharing. And you're Hello. doing some awesome things. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear you come back to me and say, we did it and we hit the million kids. I'm going to I'm gonna do that. I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, I got a lot of kids to get to yeah. still, so we will see. Yeah, I want to hear. I, I, I believe in it. And so again, I want to make sure that everybody else knows how to reach you. Your two websites that are your most powerful, make sure you get the books because they're awesome. And I'm really looking forward to the next book that's coming out. I'm looking yeah, forward to book. that art for the kids mm -hmm. and uh, com. It's also going to be in the description below. And then we have www.bullyprooflife.com dot com. So Chris, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? No, April, listen, I think we covered, we covered the gamut. And again, thank you so much for having me on the show. You are doing good things with helping people live a wellness driven life. So I appreciate you and I are out fighting kind of the same fight just from two different ends of the spectrum. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and share some stuff with my audience. And yeah, listen, I'm probably one of the easiest guys to find on social media. I'm literally on every platform. All you got to do is type in my name and figure out how to spell it, Chris Casamassa. There's a lot of there's a lot of fan sites out there too. So you just sometimes you got to got to be aware uh, of things like that. But I've I've got some pretty amazing Mortal Kombat fans that uh, that are very loyal and dedicated. So it's really cool. But yeah, I mean I'm easy to find if, if parents are out there listening. If they have any questions about how they can help their kid or their child, like I'm always happy to help. Thank you. So lessons learned. Definitely, you should do a year of martial arts. So you can show up as some of your best self to be able That's to it. have that behind your belt. Cool. You got it, April. All right. Well, thank you again, Chris. It's really been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. And for everyone else, goodbye for now. And we will see you later. Bye for now.